At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. He is, without doubt, one of the three greatest men I think I've ever met in my life. Um, and I'm not talking just about his football knowledge, how he changed the game in this country, but outside as a human being. So the Premier League is the Premier League thanks for what he has, he has done when he arrived. And his vision about the respect for the for the football. He came in and he literally changed the way English football was played, what definitely changed the way Arsenal perceived around the world, took us global. I admired his work always from, from Germany. He was always was always a big big role model in that job. And his legacy is untouchable. And I remember when I used to play for Arsenal, people are talking about the way we were playing. Not so much about what, what we did win, but the way we were doing it and how Arsenal changed, changed Arsenal into a, a, a well-recognized club in the world. When he came here uh, to England to do things in the way that he was doing things and to win like uh, he was winning, was a massive achievement, an example for everyone. But especially for a foreign manager like me, still we are talking about one of the best managers in, in uh, football history. Hello and welcome to the Two Robbies podcast with me, Robbie Musto, and him, Robbie Earl. And yes, we will react on this podcast to the news that Arsene Wenger will leave the club this summer. Lots to get through, Robbie. We mm. will talk about the FA Cup semi-finals that are done now. We have our finalists for the FA Cup on May the 19th, which is Manchester United versus Chelsea. But let's start with a review. And we always ask you to, to go on wherever you get your podcast from and to rate and review the show. And in the review, we want to know who you support and why, and we'll read out the best ones. So we have one, of course, of all days today uh, as an Arsenal fan. And a review comes in from Matt Haydruck, and he goes on to say, I'm an Arsenal fan. I was looking for a team to watch and found it during the 14-15 season. It was a 2-1 Arsenal loss to Manchester United. Even though they lost, they were by far the more entertaining side to watch. I fell in love with Wenger's way of play. His time is now up, but from what I've seen, I still have to say that Arsenal playing their best football, Wenger ball, it's (laughs) the best and most entertaining to watch. So, my friend, Mm. um, let's start with Arsene Wenger. And I guess... To appreciate a little bit what he's mm. brought to the English game over 22 years, three league titles, seven FA Cups, 20 years consecutively in the European Champions League competition, incredible consistency, incredible loyalty. Um, and I think a lot of what people said there and the lovely a little bit of sound we, we did at the start there, yeah. Rob, and, and lots of people paying their own tributes. What's coming out and what people are mostly saying is how he changed mm. English football and how he changed Arsenal Football Club. Explain. Yeah. Um, the change in English football, let's address with that. And, and you know, when Arsene came in, in some respects, Rob, he's our, one of our last links to the Premier League that we played. In 1996, yeah. he came into, uh, into Arsenal Football Club. I remember seeing the press conference, Sky News was carrying it at the time, and I thought... This guy looks like a, a temp, a, a, a teaching temp. <laughs> Arson, Arson who was Yeah, it? he was Arson who was the headlines. He had the blaze, he had the big glasses on, he, he was a slim man. But instantly, Rob, I, I was attracted to him. And, and if nothing else, it was the first interview he gave. When he spoke, 
He didn't speak in football vernacular. He didn't speak in the way that we'd used to being over the moon and, and all the little phrases that we used to. He talked in a, a bit more of an open, refreshing way, so that caught my eye straight Intelligent away. way, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I just thought, hmm, is this going to be interesting? And then he was going into a, 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 an era, and, you know, Lee Dixon, who works as a good pal of ours, who tells us lots of stories, he was of that era, Rob, around the 96, where... Drink and, and, and alcohol was still very much part of, of professional mm. football life. Mm. Eating wasn't really viewed as being that important. There were days when you played away from home, you had fish and chips on, on the way back. There were days when we played at home at Wimbledon, we'd be in the players' lounge with, having a few beers at 9.30 after, after a Saturday game. This guy came in and took all that apart. And, and Lee Dixon was part of the, the famous back four, Dixon, Bold, Adams and Winterburn, all getting towards the 30s. And, Rob, uh, I saw those people change shape, fitness, durability. And, honestly, it, it, he, Arsene Wenger, kind of changed the way I looked at myself and, and, and conducted myself as a footballer. I ate better. I slept better. I started to look at it. it, it rehydration and nutrition and weight training and, and just becoming more professional, to be honest. Mm. Now, I never played for Arsene Wenger. He never told me how to do those things. But when I saw the careers of people like Tony Adams and Lee Dixon and Steve Bold being extended, mm. I thought, I was at the time like 28, 29. I, I want to be part of that as well. And I think it was a catalyst for so many... Well, different different ideas and thoughts coming through with sports science. Mm. Um, he was kind of the first, wasn't he, foreign managers to come into English football. Um, lots have followed. Um, lots of foreign players have come in and the game has changed. Mm. So I totally agree with the way that, that, that things were thought of in terms of English football. Now, just in terms of Arsenal, mm. you know, before when you had George Graham and that period of time, it was kind of... One nil mm, efficient one nil to Arsenal. The Arsenal yeah. So I know Ian Wright was was somebody in our little a little bit of sound at the start there that said that that he changed the way that Arsenal mm. was perceived around the world, and I think that's yeah. that uh, amongst other things is so important, it's so key, it's so impressive that all of a sudden Arsenal went from a effective, somewhat boring team uh, in some ways. I mean. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's still tough to tell when they, they won a lot. They still yeah, won yeah. titles under mm. George Graham, etc. And, and and they were they were really e- efficient. But it changed into a yeah. being expansive, creative, um, attack-minded team that saw as I move forward now, Rob. It saw the purchase, the development of some incredible footballers, the likes of Robert Perez, Mark Overmars, Patrick Vieira, Nicholas Anelka, Thierry Henry, Cesc Fabregas, Dennis Bergkamp, Robin van Persie, and I could go on. So this, mm. this is the transition, this is the way that he affected Arsenal Football Club and English football and put together some truly stunning teams. And the thing, you hit a point there with, with what Wright, he said him right in terms of the football. I've got friends who, are American friends, who had been part of the Premier League for a while or just starting. And to a man, when I ask them about why they support Arsenal, they say, it's a beautiful football. Mm. And and that's mm. all that that is Arsene Wenger. Yeah, that, that's nothing before, and that's why they support this football team. They don't want to support a team that may, there may be teams that win a little bit more. There's maybe teams that play a bit different than that. But the beautiful football is what people want, and it's why Arsene Wenger has been so successful, and why he's had such an influence on that football club over 22 years. The, the, the bigger questions start to ask is, did he outstay his welcome? And that's something maybe we'll talk about later on. But when he first came into English football, Rob, and we'll have maybe some listeners who didn't even weren't even born when, when that time was on, were 
He was Pep Guardiola of the day. He mm. was playing the football that we were marvelling at. He was playing the football that I used to live maybe from in London traffic, two hours away from Highbury when I was living in London. Mm. I would get in my car, drive to watch a game at Highbury, pay for a ticket and learn and experience football. It was almost a football education I was getting when I used but, to go to games. But you did, like I did, you experienced that first hand as well on the oh. field of play. And I think when I think about the... My, my my strongest memories of Arsene Wenger and what he did at, at Arsenal Football Club, it would have to be playing against their teams and that brilliant team of the late 90s that went through to the early 2000s and I guess culminated with the Invincible team. But that team um, that, that I still think about playing, I mean, we played them in an FA Cup semi-final, Rob, around 2002. Um, but even before that, you know, you had Patrick Vieira in midfield that we had to try and handle, both me and mm. you, uh, alongside uh, Emmanuel Petit. Petit yeah. Graceful, powerful, well, tall, yeah. physical, aggressive. I mean, very, very good. We had Robert Perez or Overmars on the outside. You had Dennis Perkamp dropping in the hole behind mm. us as midfield mm. players. You had Thierry Henry floating to the left-hand side, picking up the ball and, and gliding past the defenders to, to cause no end of, of hassle. He pulled that team together. And I think that will be my overriding kind of thought. More than anything, Rob, more than recent struggles and recent pressure and scrutiny that he's been under, those teams were so incredibly well-balanced, so skillful, so fast, so ruthless in front of goal. It's been just like, it's been difficult to watch. Mm. Other teams haven't been developed and built the same way. Yeah, uh, certainly the teams you played against. I mean, I had a little bit of fortune against these early teams, won a couple of games against a couple of the early Wenger teams. I've got smashed on a number of occasions against some of those teams, as you say, late 90s, early 2000s, where just not, it, they were playing a different game than we were playing. We were running around, couldn't even kick shadows, never mind kick the players. They were that good and, and that, mm. that difficult to play through. But no, I also, and, and this is the part where probably my kind of um, biggest memory of Osman was that I was drawn to Highbury. When I finished my career around 2002, I used to go, if I ever got right. the chance, I'd go to a game. I'd want to go and see what this guy was mm. doing. Part of the Invincibles, part of the thing. You know, the Ashley Cole era was coming in. The Thierry Owen was, com- was coming into his prime. There was the Edu, the Burkamps, uh, you know, the Anelkas. Gilberto Silva oh, and Lauren at right it, back. It, it and... was just phenomenal stuff. And, and mm. it was like, wow, this guy's on, on an absolute different planet to anything. And, and Man United were obviously doing their thing and teams like Liverpool were trying to come and Chelsea were starting to come, obviously, when the Mourinho era. But at that time, Rob, he was the guy. Just down like now, we marvel at Pep Guardiola. I think we, we have to pay credit to him. He was the innovator. He was the pioneer of the day. Changed the way we looked and played. Do you think, you know, obviously this news was huge news mm. uh, on, the, on the Friday. It was a Friday, wasn't it, that the news came out? Or was it Thursday? I think it was Friday. It was Friday came out. I think we woke up yeah, that Friday yeah, and Friday the, phone, morning, the phone yeah, was phone, on fire. Yeah, like 50 messages. Yeah, and that, that Friday morning for yeah. us on, on US mm. East Coast time. Um, I, I think that we're in agreement that it's the right thing to do f- from the club's point of view. Mm. Um, you know, the, the statement was from Arsene Wenger about, like, you know, that they've spoke to the club and, and he's going to call this his last season. And any, any kind of thoughts? When you kind of talk about him, Rob, and you, and you, you do start to think, well, wow, such yeah. a great man. Yeah. It was the right time for this mm. to happen, wasn't it, from the club's point of view? It was. It still feels uncomfortable, Rob. It's the right decision. It still feels uncomfortable to do that. But, yes, it, 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 was, it was the right thing to do. 
it gives time for between now and the end of the season. Hopefully, Europa League victory as well would, would, would do well. But it gives them time to celebrate the 22 years that he's given. gives them time to think about getting somebody in place. World Cup coming up. Lots of biz, uh, activities going on in world football. So they want to get that nailed down. Mm. Um, but from the manager's point of view, yeah, it, it was the right time. It was interesting, though, because uh, I'm not sure yet how Arsene Wenger feels a, a, about that. And he was asked in his post-match presser, do you feel like you've processed it yet? Has it hit you? Are you going to be leaving this club and it, that you love very soon? And he's talked about working for seven days a week for 22 years, and obviously it's a stressful time. But amongst all those emotions, someone was asked, is there some relief as well? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's difficult to, to think about it. Um, and I think he's still struggling to come to terms of it. Um, shall we listen to what he said afterwards, Rob? Yeah. Do you feel like you've processed this in your head yet? Has it, has it hit you that you're going to be leaving in the, this club that you love in the summer? I uh, will completely never leave this club because I will always, uh, my first look will always be for the result of Arsenal, how well the club develops, you know, and uh, uh, I will always be attached, but it's difficult. You, you do not give uh, 22 years of your life like that, and uh, I gave the best years of my life to this club, you know, uh, I arrived at... Uh, uh, 46 years old, uh, and uh, I, I uh, worked seven days a week, not six, and not uh, six and a half, seven, for for 22 years. So uh, you cannot just walk away and say thank you very much, bye bye. It's it is uh, absolutely normal. You can not be on one side completely committed, and after walk away like nothing happened. It, it's impossible. I know that I will face that challenge. That it will be difficult for me but I had other difficulties in my life and I hope I will get uh, through this one as well. You talked about working seven days a week for 22 years and obviously it is a stressful job. Have you felt some, amongst the emotions you've got, have you felt some relief as well since you made it? No, because I was not tired, not, uh, but uh, I feel that, uh, uh, how can I say, I, I personally I believe that uh, this club is respected all over the world, much more than in England, uh, that uh, our fans uh, did not give the image of the unity I want at the club all over the world, and uh, that, that was hurtful, because I feel the club is respected, and uh, overall, uh, the image we gave from our club is not what it is and not what I like. The image of the club, Rob, is obviously something that, that this guy holds very dear. F from what I hear uh, in that post-match uh, press conference is that I'm not sure this guy is ready to leave this football club no. yet. I'm not sure whether he's over it. I'm not sure whether he's taken ownership of my 22 years have done and, I, and, and the club will move on and I need to move on. And, and if there's one criticism, and we've talked about the great things about Arsene Wenger and there'll be more to come over the next few weeks, there's one thing that, 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 in my opinion, has not happened certainly over the last 10 to, to 15 years is this guy has run this, this football club like a sole trader, like he's the only voice, the important person around there. And there's not been enough collaboration. There's not been enough discussion with other people who we respect, who can give him an alternative view. And I'm talking about maybe assistants. He's had two of them, Pat Rice and Steve Ball, both great players. Neither of them ever challenged for his job. In a situation where I believe, it, in some respects, 
if a manager had to leave or was ill, the number two would jump in. Neither of these two would, would be seen as good enough. I, I, I just give you a, 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 as a contrast. So Alex Ferguson's 26, 27 years at Manchester United. He's had 10, 11, 12 different assistants. And, and, and you talk about Steve McLaren, Renny Mullerstein, Colts Kiros, uh, Mike Phelan, Brian Kidd. All guys who've worked with Sir Alex, probably challenged him, and gone off and managed as well. Been good enough, been strong enough to go and manage. And that's why I think Sir Alex Ferguson stayed at the top and stayed fresh and was challenged in a way that Arsene Wenger's not allowed at Arsenal. So, so you, you, you're basically saying that he will not take any input from anybody else and the lack of that input mm. is restricted in recent years, I guess, decade. I mean, they've won FA Cups, mm. which, of course, but... But that's what yeah. might have held them back. A little bit. You know, also from that interview, and there was different sound that came out through the day. There was, mm. There's interviews before the game as well. And I think the disappointing thing, Rob, and we talked about it on our show earlier, um, was that, that, that this, this isn't his decision, is it? This is yeah. a reluctant yeah. man mm. that has had a conversation where they've basically said, listen, we're going to make a change. We want you to be on board. We want you to put out a, a, a statement to say that, you know, uh, my time has come. And that's what's happened. But, again, you cannot... He's an honest guy. Mm. You cannot get any sort of sense of, of satisfaction in his voice or in his body language that this is what he wanted, that he wants the end to come. It just doesn't. It just absolutely doesn't. And throughout the day, the different things we've heard is like, as you said, Rob... He, he, he is that football club. He has been that mm-hmm. football club. And now the power has been moved away. He is so reluctant to accept that and to move forward. I just on, on terms of the, the, the stuff he said there about the fans, Rob, we can't yeah. let that go as no, well. No. I think with all the, 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 the kind of the reaction to him being there for a longer period of time, a lot of the fans split about whether they supported Arsene Wenger or not. Do you think he has a point in any way that the fans should have stuck together and got behind him as the coach? I, you know, I guess forevermore. I, I, is that what he wants? Well, in the world that he lives in, Robin, and I'm afraid it, it's kind of a closeted world where he'll wake up every morning and still feel he's the right man to, to lead Arsenal, whether he, he is or not. We'll move forward over the next season. He'll still think he's Arsenal manager. That's where he's at. And, and the fans have a right. It's their football yeah. club. Yeah. They pay the, the salary, the money. They, they're the ones who are filling the stadium every week. They have a right. They expensive to, season tickets to, as well. To what they, they do or don't like. And I think you said today, you know, that the Arsene Bank has to accept that chi- times are changing. Now, to overcome that, he's got to start winning things. He's got to be closer. He's got to be top four. Mm. He, he can't be going the other way, mm. out of the top four, not winning as much, not being a, as successful, mm. and expect people to go behind you. Has some of it gone too far? Yes. Flying planes o- over stadiums, you know, the Wenger out campaign, everybody jumping on social media. It's been a bit too strong for a man who should be held in high regard. Mm. But football fans have a right, Rob, to say what goes on in their football club. And if they feel that Arsene Wenger's not the right man, and the ownership now it seems to say that Arsene Wenger in that isn't the right man. Arsene Wenger, I'm afraid, has to accept yeah, that. And, and that's a disappointing thing, Rob. And we can we can talk about what he's done for English football, mm. etc., with Arsenal and everything else. But I, I'm disappointed. I think it was Ars- I think it was Mourinho, you know, who said this week, um, if Arsene's sad, I'm sad. If he's happy, I'm mm. happy. And I think that's really accurate. And I'm afraid Arsene Wenger's sad. Yeah. And that makes me sad. That makes going to make a lot of people sad that, that this great guy, this great man, this, this true great of English football, mm. Rob, which is a, which is, is significant, is a huge thing mm. to say about anybody in, in the game, is not 
happy. Um, but is, whether he ever could be leaving this job, I, I guess he couldn't be. Does his personality make this almost a little bit more difficult or different than it should be? Here's a scenario. Just let me paint. Arsenal Football Club decide they're going to move on. Arsene Wenger's got one year left on his contract. He's a man who said he never breaks contract. In a different scenario, I'm not saying it's ideal, in a different scenario, could somebody have been brought in to work with Arsene Wenger to be the next guy and possibly Arsene find a place upstairs? So he doesn't have to leave this club, as he said earlier. I will never leave this club. Is there not a situation, and I'm not sure if Patrick Vieira is the right guy, if Eddie Howe is the right guy, but somebody could sit next to this guy for 12 months, understand the club, take a lot from him, and then be ready, be groomed for the next base. But something tells me Arsene Wenger wouldn't have liked, exactly. wouldn't have liked that. That's what I, I mean, I think it's a brilliant point, and what a lot of sense it makes, doesn't it? You know, be the, the director of football, whatever that position yeah. is, because that's more that, that's Might really complicated. something on the board. Or, it's something on the board, yeah. or it's some kind of position within the football club where he can mentor and he can help a young guy coming in. Again, you know, Patrick Vieira, uh, Mikel Arteta's been, there's mm. been talk about him potentially to be in there. Thierry Henry, there's talk about mm. that he'd be interested Dennis as well. Dennis Bergkamp, can I throw him in? Is it yeah, so, so, so I think it's a really good point um, about, you know, about a, a potential way that he stays involved in the football club. And as we're on it, Rob, let, mm. let's, let's start talking about that, about who might be next. And maybe we should start with Arsenal's uh, CEO, even Gazidis, and, and listen to what he said on Arsene Wenger's replacement. How important is it to make a quick appointment in the interest of clarity moving forward? The most important thing is to make the right appointment, not to make a quick appointment. Again, really, you know, today, today we're assimilating a lot. Um, a lot has happened. Um, uh, that process starts, uh, you know, this evening. What a massive decision this is going to be, Rob, as well. 22 years a man's run a football club and made all the major decisions. We're now in a situation where we know behind the scenes, I think it's nine or ten different staff members, heads of different departments have been brought in to replace, to change, to modernise Arsenal in the way that more European clubs are going. And that, put, that puts pressure on the guy that just spoke, even Gazidis, that he's got the right guys to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But let's say that that is the case. Now we're talking about a head coach who sits at top of the, the pile and influences the whole football structure down, but mainly deals in first-team football. Now, who is that guy? Well, is, 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 is he a go-in-and-win in two or three years right. and, and do what's required, or is he a guy stays close to the philosophies, talks about the values that Arsenal talk about, the, the Wenger football and the beautiful football that, that, that our listeners want to get from, from, from Arsenal, or it, is there a longer-term project? Well, is there an Eddie right. Howe type right. who, 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 right. who you, you groom for, for the next 10, right. 12 years? So I think that's it. I, I think that's the, that's the decision right now. You're either going to go for a person that you think could grow into being a great Arsenal manager mm. that isn't a great manager yet. It isn't. But it could be. And you have the loyalty. You have that foundation uh, and given time and patience. So in that box would be the ones we actually just talked about. Thierry Henry, Patrick Vieira would be in that category. Mikel Arteta. Eddie Howe, Howe. I still think that's a a bit of a long shot. I don't don't think... Let let me tell you why. And I know you're an Eddie Howe fan. Eddie Howe has got Premier League experience managing. Arteta, no. 
Patrick Vieira, no. Thierry yeah. Henry, no. This guy's got four seasons now of Premier League experience. And fits the Arsene Wenger mould perfectly. But, but, but what a big job for Eddie Howe, Rob, isn't it? I, I know the structure's mm. different now. Yeah. Um, you know, and the director of football and, and the head of recruitment, they are going to be massively involved and massively important for the success of this football club, as much as the head coach, by the way. Yeah. It's that important because the structure's changed. Or, the other side of this, as you alluded to, then you're going to go for a manager that's just ready to go. Yeah. Plug him in, yeah. off your pop, shake him mm. up, get a few players, uh, tactically change them, and expect results really quickly, like project managers. Yeah. And, and really, in, in the European football, Rob, we're seeing more of this than anything else by mm. far. Yeah. So that would bring in your people like, and I'm not saying it's easy to get them away from their present clubs, Max Allegri, Diego Simeone, Antonio Conte, um, Ancelotti, I don't know. Luis Enrique would be in that yeah. category as well. So yeah. that there for me are the two different ways of going. Now to get to specifics, I, I, I think my preferred choice. I think Luis Enrique is your quicker fix, ready to go. Work with brilliant players in Barcelona and star teams and plays lovely football, which mm. ticks a lot of boxes. He's available. He's ready to go. He would be my top in my top two. And I think the other guy that would be my preferred choice is actually a national team manager, and it's Jogi Love, the, the, the manager that's been with the German national team now for sev- several tournaments. He is used to working with very talented players. He will get the respect of any player that walks into that football club. Mm. He has certainly helped develop brilliant young German footballers, and the style of play will be suited by the philosophy, the, 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 the whole history now um, with Arsenal Football Club. So I think between those two... I think either of those would do a really good job. And others, by the way. I mean, you're maybe going to pick different people. Yeah. I don't disagree with others, but they would be my first two picks. Well, and again, listen, there's going to be lots up for debate and the final decision is not going to last with us. But I just think Arsenal Football Club need to go, not in a different direction, but with a different personality. And that's why I'd go for Antonio Conte, if I can get... If he, get him out of Chelsea and you can sort that out. And I don't think, by the way, if Conte left Chelsea, he would care that he's going to another London club. I think it's very different for an Italian manager. Is he too demanding in terms of transfers for this this kind of fledgling... Arsenal new hierarchy of directors and stuff. Would he was he is he is he is he let himself down with it with his his stubborn sulky ways this season? Possibly, Rob. But I think he's found a little bit of um, obstruction with the ownership at Chelsea that he's not been listened to. He's not got the kind of players he wants. I think there'll be a process at Arsenal that will be part of of, of the interview pro. Um, system and he'll have to understand that and they'll have to see if he's the right man i i hear you if not diego simeone come in mm. rob this club every player this uh, arsenal football clubs got a layer of cotton wool around them mm. somebody needs to tear that off them, them. Yeah. And, and say you know what we can compete for titles there's enough in this yeah, there is. right there now is. There is. beyond adding a few bits sorting things out tactically giving things a change and a fresh and all there's enough at that football team so I'm going on the Conte Simeone. Yeah, you want to shake up. I want want this football club shaken up Mm. and being given a real chance to show what it can do. The the only thing I'd say finally on this, I guess, is that the the, the fans, and I'm sure they will, they need to be patient here, Mm. Rob. We've seen seen what's happened in Manchester United. We've seen that maybe the right decisions weren't made and they wanted to be patient, but they weren't. So, number one, even Gazidis and Arsenal Football Club, the ownership on the board, 
they've got a massively important decision to make. But on the other side of it, a new team spirit, a new philosophy you're talking about, a new style, a new mentality mm. does take time and probably personnel change as well. So that, that would be my final thought into the future of, of Arsenal Football Club. But my goodness, what a big decision that's going to be over the coming weeks, probably and months. Absolutely. And, you know, where I'll finish, Rob, is despite what we're talking about and despite where they sit in the, in the table outside the top four right now, what a job it is for somebody. Mm. What oh, a great oh. job it is Training to ground, take stadium, this football club yeah. on and, and, and go with it. Mm. And, and, and just finally, before we move on, we'll talk a little bit about FA Cup. I just, I just hope, Rob, in, in the short to, to, to middle future, Arsene Wenger can find some peace and find a mm. place mm. back at Arsenal Football Club because that's what he deserves and I know that's what he wants and it isn't the right time now the football club have got to focus on the next one be be hard be ruthless get it right but at some point an invitation should be open for Arsene Wenger to return back to this football club that he loves and be part of um, things going forward OK my friend let's move on to a different competition mm. um, the FA Cup Yes. And the semi-finals of Manchester United was the first one on Saturday against Spurs at Wembley, of course, where Spurs are playing their home games at the moment. Mm. And, I mean, there's a lot, there's kind of a lot to, to take in here. Yeah. Um, should we start with Manchester United? Yeah, let, let's start with Manchester United. And people will say, oh, wasn't a great game. They don't play great football. Let's just go, let's cut to the chase. Mm. Let's just cut straight to it. Jose Mourinho is a big game manager, yeah. wins big games mm. and gets you to finals. Mm. That's what that's yeah. what happens. Yeah. 20 major trophies in his career, got a chance at 21st and that's what he does, Rob. If you don't like it, he doesn't care. If you don't like it, don't employ him, but he's going to get you silverware. You could, you, you could cut through him and, it's, and, and he's a winner written all mm. inside him. And, and, he, and he demands with ruthless focus, determination that his players are going to be winners and anybody that's not got a little bit of or anything in their body that, that is not bothered about winning, he hates mm. it mm. and you see it now with certain players that's left the club, we're going to get Luke Shaw's going to leave the club, I think in some of these, these Mkhitaryan was allowed to leave the football club and others if there's anything in them mm. that isn't prepared to, to run their, their, their socks off, to get back and help defensively and that, when I look at them Rob I keep thinking, what is it, what what is it that, that he makes players do that others don't? And, and I think it is that ability, and it's, it doesn't last over a long period of time for sure, but he gets talented, skillful, brilliant players mm. to, to, to focus primarily, primarily on defending. Now, if he gets them on the same page, if he gets his fullbacks tucked in, if he gets a man-to-man -man marker, so what? Who cares about style? I want a man-to-man -man marker mm. on him. I want uh, um, Martial, Rashford, Alexis, whoever it is in the wider areas to come back and up defensively. You know what? You might have to be a fullback. He gets them to do it, knowing, mm. knowing that at times when there's turnovers, transitions, those talented players will show up when they need to and they'll combine, they'll do something special to score and win. And, it, and it, it, it's absolutely the way he does it because there are games when they don't do something special and you're like, wow, United, they sit back, they just defend, there's no flair, there's no rhythm, there's no pattern. But in the big games, they do turn up and, and the, 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 the determination of this guy to win mm. at all costs, no matter who he upsets in the short or longer term, he does get it done. And I'm not a fan of, of watching some of this football because 
in some ways for me it's 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 a lot harder to to be the creative part but i my goodness i respect his ability to win big games and the fact that he's an absolute winner yeah and and i don't mind it so much rob because i know this is what the guy does and if if there's two th- two ways to look at it either beat him when he's playing that style so maybe he has to adapt or if not join him and try that style yourself if that's what's going to win your trophies because let, let's go to the other team in in, in this game tottenham mm. who People again, the question started. Eight semi-finals now, I think that is. No, no, no wins. No, no getting to the, to the, to the big day. Mitchell Pochettino, I know you, your face is being pulled because you love the potential. And we've talked about all the potential, the great manager. And the, the job the he's done. The in the club. To, and to the build job he's it done to this on, point on has been but, fantastic. But mm. we keep hitting the same point, Rob. We keep coming to the same place where Spurs don't get over the hump. Why? Now, well... Let me, let me tell you why, in my opinion. An example. Harry Kane played against Brighton on Tuesday, Wednesday night this week, three, four days ahead of an FA Cup final. Now, of course, Harry Kane could be 100% fit. Harry Kane could want to be getting the golden boots. Harry Kane could have played for a number of reasons. If I'm the manager of Tottenham, more importantly, if Jose the Mourinho is the manager of Tottenham, Harry Kane doesn't play against Brighton. The risk of... of maybe getting that ankle knocked, the risk of, of what not being shot, the risk of not being 100% ready for, the, for a cup final. I mean, he had Lukaku in, in a game against, was it, was it Bournemouth? They, they, he came on late on. Mm. He doesn't play. Second one, Michel Vorm. Play, is playing all the FA Cup games, Pochettino says. We get to the semi-final against Manchester United. In my opinion, and what I would do, Hugo Lloris would be in goal. Even if he promises me. Even if I promise him. You you can't promise him. You should not promise him then. Well, I either don't promise him, which I think is bad management to promise a a player, and you don't know what's going to happen. But two, Rob, if I have to, I want to win a trophy. Jose Mourinho will do what needs to be done to win a trophy. If Pochettino has to break a promise to a player to win a trophy, guess what? That's what he's got to do. He, He needs to get... And, and I, and I kind of hate to say it in, this, in a way, he needs to get 10% of what Mourinho's got and put that into him and his team and, he's, and, and they're off. They're off. Is there an element of stubbornness to, to Mauricio Pochettino in, in the fact that he will not compromise his philosophy of going out to win games, to attack? Well, he's, gonna not, he's not going to be a great manager then. Right, uh, yeah. Uh, and just in recent years, in terms of champion teams... Leicester certainly showed an element of pragmatism, of defensive first, of counter-attacking style. Chelsea under Antonio Conte certainly showed an element of of defensive fortitude, of organisation, of sometimes sucking up that they've got the ball to come through matches. And just real quick, I mean, Juventus and Italy play the same way. You know, of course, you know me, Rob, very well by now and you know I love I'm a purist I do love the expansive beautiful part of the game but I'm I guess I'm smart enough to know that that very rarely wins mm. it really it really is it, it, it's more often a team that can do a little bit of both and I agree that if Pochettino was a little bit more ruthless mm. in the way that he approaches competitions and specific games and maybe his treatment of some of the players could he be a little bit nasty, nastier to them to get them on edge? Does he demand enough out of them defensively or, or just just mentally to find a way to win? That absolutely, I mean, is, is the case. I, and, I, and I've said it many times, you know, sixth highest budget, 
Tremendous overachievement of the squad. Mm -hmm. But this squad, this team, is good enough to win titles. Correct. Something's holding them back. And something's holding them back. They've beaten Manchester United in the league. They've beaten some of the best teams in the league, Rob, the same players. So it's not that they're not good enough. And, and nobody should give up on any of these players Correct. or the manager they, or anything. They, they, they're quality players, but there's a reason. And the manager it has to go back to him and he has to be the focal point of what's not going right to landing t- trophies. Because if this team lands one, I'm convinced they start to land two, three, and four. It's, it's simple, Rob. It's just a little bit more. You know what? We're going to play Wanyama, Dyer, yeah. and, and such and such. Whoever in midfield, does, does, and we're going to grind a bit. Do you have to get? A, do you have to get Alderweireld in your team, even though you might have fallen out with him? Do you have to get Danny Rose in your team, even though because they're better players than some of the players who are in there? Do you have to find a way to do that? Or do just that compromise? A, their their yeah, style, their I, philosophy, Rob. There's a balance in it. Yeah. It's always a balance. Correct. And maybe Spurs. I've just got to accept in certain games mm-hmm. they have a bit more fortitude and like mental toughness to say, Man United today, okay, yeah, we know all about Mourinho, we know all about these players, but there's no way they're finding a way through. Very much like United mm-hmm. set up to Spurs. I don't care if we're United and you're Tottenham Hotspur, we're going to sit back, we're going to man to man mark, we're going to grind, we're going to defend, and we're going to we're going to beat you. Find a way to beat you later in the game. It's yep. just the way it was. Yep, Jose gets one over Poch. In the other semi final, Chelsea Southampton. We were thinking whether Southampton could have a day. Could they find a way past Chelsea? No, was mm. the answer. Mm. Big Olivier Giroud, category oh, A striker, we, category A feet. Here we go again. I mean, brilliant goal, by the way. It was a brilliant I mean, goal. It's a kind of goal. It's, it's an ordinary goal. For <laughs> ordinary goal for the You're going to get those Giroud jar pyjamas now, apart from getting rid of Wenger's. No, no there's, that was a big call, wasn't it, playing him up front? Yeah. And I, and I think, again, you've had a good week, by the way, on, on the predictions, and I haven't. And, yeah, I, and I'm big enough, and, st- and and I'm and I accept that. You know, I thought that that Spurs would find a way, yeah. and I thought you'd go Morata in this game yeah. because of open spaces and, and and a Wembley Stadium and a little bit more qu- quicker. And but but he didn't, and he went with Giroud, and he turned up with a goal. Morata came on later and got the second goal, um, another assist from Aspeliqueta there. But uh, yeah, no, no shock here, no surprises here. Chelsea, you know, when when. They do want to play, can play. Mm. I mean, they, the champions of last season, they've got some brilliant players. And I just think Giroud maybe should have been trusted a little bit more over recent weeks to start games instead of come off the bench. Um, but a comfortable victory for Chelsea. Southampton, mm. Rob, just quickly on them. Mm. 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 Shane Long, I mean... Yeah, another opportunity. It, it's another opportunity not scoring. Charlie, Adam, uh, Charlie Austin came on. Had a couple of opportunities to hit the post, but it mm, just not going well mm. for Mark Hughes. They've got to get in the league. So we'll have a little bit of time before the final May the 19th. We'll talk about Manchester United and Chelsea. Jose against his former team. The two managers don't particularly like each other. They, Is that they don't. a bit of an edge on that they one? They don't, and it's going to be a tough one. It's a tough one to call mm. because Chelsea, when they're at it, are blimming good. And United, as we've just talked about the last 10 minutes win and and he wins big games Jose mm. Mourinho so this is going to be fascinating it's going to be tactical it's going to be aggressive um, I, I can't wait for it I think yeah. there's a really good final with plenty plenty of storylines around the outside yeah, great final United versus Chelsea at Wembley we'll look forward to that and that's it from us now we want to hear from you our listeners firstly we'd love you to rate and review the show by downloading the two Robbies on our podcast tell us what you like and where we can improve but more importantly tell us what team you support and why and we'll read out our best responses on our next podcast so in the week when Arsene Wenger's decided to call it time on his 22 year career I hope it's time for us to celebrate a true English football great I'm Earl he's Musto together with the two Robbies thanks for listening 
and bye for now. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.